thank you for this beautiful weather. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, I, I, I was... Uh, I had some meetings down in Florida last week, and I'm just going to take credit for this. Uh, there's nothing, you know, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not shy about that. <laughs> no, it's really good. Uh, it's, it was fun, actually. We were here for the 30 below stuff, too, and I'm like, yeah, this is, tell me again why we come up to Minnesota in the winter and go back to Mexico in the summer. Um, but uh, anyway, but it is good to be here uh, with you, uh, and I appreciate the opportunity, Pastor, to, to be able to, to share. And uh, we're going to be in the, in the Word today. Just let me give you a, a brief update uh, on our family. The biggest news that we have is probably that Marcos passed his driver's uh, test, so he is now has a driver's permit. And so uh, we leave for Mexico on Thursday. I'm assuming we go Monday to get the permit. And so if you're on the roads Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, just, just be warned. Um, we may be out there doing a little driving around, uh, getting, uh, getting ready. Um, but uh, the other big news for us is uh, our son Adrian got married on the 6th of February. Uh, it was a great time. Uh, thankfully, we were able to have some, a little bit of a ceremony with the COVID stuff and, and the reception, uh, but uh, we uh, enjoyed that, uh, and we're just really, really privileged to have Rebecca as a daughter-in-law. It's kind of a fun stage in life uh, where we're at right now, uh, seeing our kids all growed up. And, uh, and having their families and be, getting to be grandparents. Diana has four kids, so we've got four grandchildren. The hard part is we have to say goodbye to them on Thursday, so uh, pray with us uh, for, for that. Uh, we're still in Guadalajara. We're actually heading back this next Thursday. Uh, we were supposed to head back Tuesday, but our flight got canceled, so hopefully we'll fly back on Thursday. If that gets canceled, we'll just flex. That's what we do these days, right? Um, but we've been up for about four or five months. We helped my parents transition out of the motel, and uh, we were hoping to be, be able to do some of this. Uh, we weren't able to do as much of that as we wanted to, uh, but uh, it's great that we were able to, uh, to, to be here. Just want to thank you for your partnership with us, and uh, Pastor and uh, Jamie with your missions team, thanks so much for your partnership. I was trying to, uh, trying to think I think it's when we went to Mexico is, is when, you, uh, when we began partnering together. So it's been uh, about 15 years, 16 years. Uh, but uh, our family has a long-time relationship uh, with West Cohasset Chapel, and it's so good to be here uh, and to, to be with you uh, this morning. Uh, we're going to be in Romans 15 if you want to uh, find it in your Bibles. Uh, have you ever heard the phrase... So now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Have you heard that? Of course you have. Uh, if you've gone to any wedding <laughs> or heard any message around Valentine's Day, uh, it comes from 1 Corinthians 13, the last verse of the chapter on love uh, in the Bible, and it's the conclusion. And it says, now abides faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is Love. Well, I don't want to talk about love today. I'm not going to talk about faith today. I'm going to talk about the Cinderella of the three, the, the, the word that never gets invited to the ball. 
uh, hope. Uh, we talk a lot about love, and rightly so. We talk a lot about faith, and rightly so. I don't think we talk enough about hope. But it's immensely important. Uh, there's a saying that says if you, you can live a month without food, some of us could probably last a little longer. Uh, you can live maybe a week without water, maybe a little less. You can't live a day without hope. A hope is what inspires us to move forward. It goes hand in hand with, with faith. Our, Hebrews 11.1 1 said, Faith is assurance of things hoped for. So faith and hope go together. So what is this hope thing? Uh, well, we'll start with the Cambridge Dictionary. It says hope is to want something to happen to be true and usually have a good reason to think that it's might. And it's a good definition. I would like to emphasize a little bit it, it's kind of hinted at you because you want something to happen to be true uh, usually hope anticipates something that's going to happen in the future but usually it's you're anticipating something that is positive or good okay we hope that our team is going to win the super bowl we don't hope that our team is going to lose the super bowl unless you have money bet against them but we're not going to get into that today uh but hope anticipates something that's positive or true is, is, is going to happen. We don't hope that Jesus will take another 2,000 years before he returns. We hope that he comes soon. Uh, and hope, but hope is essential to our well-being. Because if you don't have something to look forward to, things can get a little dreary. We all need something to live for. I'm convinced that if you don't have something to hope for, you won't survive. And many people who struggle with depression and end up in suicide because of that. It's because not a necessary lack of love or lack of faith. It's because they don't have any hope. Well, Paul addresses this in Romans 15. Um, let me give you a little bit of a background. So the book of Romans is a kind of a theological dissertation that Paul has. Uh, he's writing this to the church in Rome. He hasn't visited Rome up until this point when he writes. We think he's writing from the city of Corinth on his third missionary journey uh, prior to being taken as a prisoner to, to Rome. Uh, but he's given us a theological dissertation on the gospel and the nature of the gospel. The first eight chapters of Romans are a step-by-step -step explanation of the gospel. One, that we start off that we're lost, that those that we don't have any excuse because God has revealed himself through nature. Uh, he talks about how he's revealed himself through the word, so not only people who haven't heard, or who have, but have, have God's revelation are under that, uh, that punishment from sin, but also the Jewish, uh, the, the Jewish nation. He talks about how they also are lost. He talks about sin. We've got the Romans chapter 3. Uh, For all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. Uh, Romans 3.10 and following talks about sin and our need. Romans 4 talks about faith and how 
Uh, faith is what uh, gives us the, 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 the forgiveness of our sin, that we place our faith and trust in Christ, and then some of the implications of the gospel. So he goes step by step, and he's walking through what it is the gospel, starting in chapter 9 and 10, and then especially in 11 and 12 and following, he starts talking about the implications for us. We get to chapter 13, and he's ready to land the plane, and he wants to celebrate the hope that comes from the gospel. Uh, so let's look, in, and we're going to start, we're going to read verses 8 through 13, Romans 15, 8 through 13. I'm reading from the ESV. Uh, it says, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. And in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the people extol him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Now the first thing I want us to see in this passage, we're going to see a number of different implications of the gospel. The first one is that the gospel is for the nations. The gospel is for the nations. Uh, he starts off the passage talking about the Jews and about the circumcised and how Christ came to us uh, through, through the, the, the Jewish nation. It says, Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness, to confirm the promises he'd made to the patriarchs. But then he goes right in to talking about, and in the version I read, and in most versions, it uses the word Gentiles. Let me talk a little bit about this word. Uh, the word that comes from the Greek that is translated Gentiles in this passage, anywhere you see Gentiles, it's the word ethne, ethnos. It's the word that we use, it's a root for our word ethnic. Most people these days feel like it should probably be translated people groups. In the Great Commission, go therefore make disciples of what? Someone in Nuanas? Of all the nations the word there is the same word here translated gentiles in this passage as you look at it if you see the word gentile in your translation you could substitute the word nations all the nations we're supposed to share the gospel make disciples of all the nations of all the ethne in each of the places here it's the same word that is being used uh, for for ethne uh, so he's talking, now remember, he's talking to the church in where? In Rome, okay? He hasn't visited there. Rome, the church in Rome, as we understand it, is probably a mix of Jewish believers, but also believers from a number of different countries. Remember, all roads lead to Rome. Uh, Rome was kind of the, 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 the center of the universe, uh, at the time when Paul is writing this. They were the, they were the rulers, they were the ones that were looking over, or that, that, that governed the whole known world at that time. And Paul is making an argument that this gospel is not just for the Jews, but it's for the ethne. 
It's for the Gentiles. It's for all the nations. For us, this isn't hard to understand. For first-generation believers, it was a little bit harder. Uh, one of the classes I get to teach at the Bible Institute is the book of Acts. And it surprises me in Acts how hard it was for the church to accept that it was okay to not be Jewish and be a believer. <laughs> but it was, it was a process for them. But God pushed them in that direction because in God's mind, this is what he wanted to do. He wanted the church to be full of people worshiping him from all the nations. We see that in this passage. The second thing we see about the gospel is the gospel brings hope. Let's look at verses 12, 13. We already read them again, but I'll re- I'll, let's read them again. Or once, we read them again. It says, in, Isaiah says, and he quotes here from Isaiah chapter 11, the root of Jesse will come, that's talking about Jesus, and he will rise us to rule the nations. I'm going to just go ahead and translate the nations for the Gentiles here. But even he who arises to rule the nations, in him will the nations hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. You know, it's kind of hard to compare different periods of time, but what, I'm 55, 56 years old, and this last year has been just a doozy. (laughs) I mean, it has been just different. Chaotic. Uh, You guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, I see Dick Drown back there. Hi, Dick. It's good to see you without oxygen. This is good. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it's been crazy with, with COVID and, and with the illnesses and, and, and whatnot. Um, it's hard to believe that a year ago, almost to the day, okay, so today is, what, 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 i got to look at my, my clock, so it's 7th of March. I was flying back from Argentina on the 10th, and I can remember flying back, I was worried because I was having to connect from Argentina in New York City, and there was rumors that they were going to shut down the flights. And I was worried about that I was going to be able to get home or not. And uh, I actually was able to get back to Guadalajara on the 10th of March, and on the 15th of March was when they closed the airports and... Remember 15 days to stop the spread? Remember that? That was a year ago. <laughs> we're, still, we're still wearing masks. We're still trying to figure out how to stop the spread. Uh, so it's been a little bit chaotic. And you said, well, hope is something that we need these days. Well, if you think back when Paul was writing this, it was probably, I don't know if they were worried about COVID, but there was a a young, a young man who was the emperor of Rome called Nero, who was emperor at the time when Paul is writing this. He probably writes in year 56 or 57. Nero started his reign in 54. He really got nutso in 60s, about 64 is when he really started the strong persecution of the church. So this is about seven years uh, before that. Uh, but Nero was known as a brutal man, as a, a 
godless, godless uh, leader and uh, one who really, really persecuted the church. It's thinking that he's the one that ordered Paul killed um, when, uh, when he finally was uh, martyred. But what we see in this passage, what Paul is sharing during this time of chaos and in our time of chaos, he's talking about the light of hope which comes from the gospel. The gospel brings hope. It brings a purpose. It brings something to look forward to, something to anticipate, something good is going to happen even in the midst of all this chaos. About three, four weeks ago, I was uh, talking to one of the employees uh, that my dad has at the motel. And uh, he was kind of down and, and, and looked a little depressed. And I was talking to him, and he says, what's, what's the matter? He says, well, things aren't going real well with his wife, and things are kind of, just kind of feeling down. His health-wise, they're not doing well. His marriage was, he's kind of struggling in his marriage, and and I said, do you mind if I pray for you? He says, no, I really need it. And so I was able to pray for him. And I said, you know, something said, let's, you know, you want to go out for dinner tonight? He says, yeah. Uh, so he, after work, we went out to Forest Lake Restaurant. And we sat down. And I just started sharing the gospel with him. And he'd heard the gospel before, but uh, uh, he sat there and, and listened. And... Uh, decided to make a decision to place his faith and trust in Christ. Uh, I wasn't sure. You know, sometimes you share the gospel and people say yes, one, because you're kind of their boss, and so you have to be careful in that situation. And, uh, but I thought he was getting it. But the next day I was sure of it because uh, he came back in and... Uh, and he, he talked to the, the manager of the, of the, the motel. We have a couple that are, that are watching the motel. And she texted me. He says, Dallas wants you to know this. He says, he was on his way in this morning. And it was all the drivers, all the crazy drivers around the road. And they were cutting him off. And, 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 and he says, you know what? I didn't swear at him once, not even in my head. <laughs> and he was just beaming. To him, it was just from one day to the next, there was already a change. Something was different. That's what hope brings. Something positive, something to look forward to. That's what the gospel does. In the middle of chaos, too often we look to politicians or maybe our sports team for an, ex for a, for an escape to maybe something to hope for when we really should be looking up. The next thing we see in this passage is that the gospel inspires worship. The gospel inspires worship. Uh, there's a series of quotes in the verses that I read, starting in verse 9. Uh, and these are quotes from the Old Testament. And they're talking about the nations, about the Gentiles, the nations rejoicing and worshiping God. Now, it's interesting because these quotes are from the Old Testament. And usually we, when we think of, of missions, when we think of the gospel going to the nations, we usually think of the New Testament, the Great Commission, and, and Paul, and Barnabas, and and, uh, and, and Peter, as they, as they carried, took the gospel to the nations. Uh, 
uh, and there's no doubt that that missions really is uh, is more explicit in the New Testament, and it's really kind of charged up in the in the New Testament with the Great Commission. Missions also appears in the Old Testament. It was always part of God's plan that he would be worshipped by the nations. Verse 9 comes from Psalm 18. Therefore I will praise you among the nations and sing to your name. Verse 10, this comes from Deuteronomy. Rejoice, O nations, with his people. Verse 11, this one goes back to Psalm, Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all you nations, and let all the peoples extol him. Worship is an integral part of missions. In fact, I love this quote uh, from uh, John Piper. John Piper wrote a book called Let the Nations Be Glad. And he says it in this way. He says, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity but worship abides forever. The passage that Pastor read from Revelation 7 gives us a picture of this worship. People from every tribe, tongue, and nation fallen before the throne, worshiping God. That is the purpose of what we do in missions. We need to do missions because worshipers are lacking. God desires worshipers from all the nations. He wants that chorus to have all these different languages in it as they come before him and worship him. The goal of missions is to provide him with that choir. Provide him with those worshipers. One of the most impactful worship experiences I've had uh, in the last, uh, probably, I guess it was about a year and a half ago, maybe a little over a year and a half. Uh, I was up in Peru, and here's a picture around a campfire. Uh, we went on a trek. We're, we're, we're just getting ready to launch what we're calling our Quechua Initiative. Uh, Quechua Initiative is targeting the indigenous people group called the Quechuas, Mostly, primarily in Peru, they run through Ecuador into Peru, down into Bolivia and northern Argentina. And uh, we went with a group that had been working at translating the Bible. The Bible was just being translated. In fact, we were there in June, and the, the, the ce celebration for the translation of the Bible was held in August. This was 2019. And we had gone to a number of different villages to share... Uh, some, some literature in their language. This is a, in, in the Quechua dialect that they spoke. And uh, we would go to the village. We would uh, get there. We would show the Jesus film uh, in their dialect. And then someone would give a, a, a short presentation of the gospel. We'd give an invitation. And then 
uh, a Bible would be given to each head of the family in their, in their language. Well, we got to one of these villages, and it turns out they were having a wedding. And it was a small village, maybe 50, 75 people in the village. And 50, 75 people were at that wedding. And our leader, uh, who was Quechua, says, we can't show the Jesus film tonight because we can't compete with the wedding. It would be, it would be bad form. They're going to go at 11 o'clock at night. Uh, and usually we show the, the Jesus film right when it gets dark, around 6.30, 7 o'clock. He says, we're going to have to just we'll call it a night, call it a wrap uh, for tonight, because we don't want to, to make the village think that we're competing with this wedding celebration. So we got our fire going, and we're sitting around there, and this family shows up. Uh, and the family wasn't at the wedding primarily because it was a, a celebration that one, they weren't invited. And the reason they weren't invited was that they were believers. They were Christians. And so we had a worship time around the campfire with this family. They started telling us their story. They used to go to a church, but the closest church to them was two hours walking to get to church. Two hours there, two hours back. Uh, two years before, they'd been coming back from church late at night. I don't know if it was Sunday night or Saturday night or whenever they were having church, but they were coming back. It was about 11 o'clock at night. It was very dark. And uh, they were robbed by some people that held them up on the road back. They felt it wasn't safe for them to be traveling two hours back and forth from church. So for two years, they hadn't been able to go to church. And we just sat there and we worshiped. And, and, and tears just started streaming down their eyes. As for the first time in two years, they were able to worship with other believers that weren't part of their nuclear family. We preached, we shared the gospel, he shared, the, he shared his story, we prayed with them, we sang some more. We were there for about two hours. Missions exist to provide worshipers for God. The rest of the... I want to go now to verse 14 through 21. And here we see Paul's response. So we have the Gospel. The Gospel is for the nations. It brings hope to the nations. And it results in the nations worshiping our Lord and Savior. So what is our response to this? Where do we fit in? Well, Paul explains where he fit, thinks he feel, fits in, and that's in verses 14 through 21. It says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. He says, you know, you guys, I've heard about you guys. You guys are a good church. You're good people. You know the word, you're able to teach each other. He says, but on some points I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, to the nations, in the priestly service of the gospel of God. So that the offering of the Gentiles, so the offering of the nations may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. 
For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the nations to obedience by word and deed. By the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that Jerusalem, all the way around to Illyricum, that's Spain, by the way, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. That is just one word in Greek there. It's basically, I've made it my ambition to gospelize, (laughs) to share the good news. Not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Paul's response to this is to go and share this message of hope to the nations. And he'd done it. And he'd proclaim the gospel through Asia, into, into, into Greece, Macedonia, down into Greece. He's probably writing this from Corinth on his third missionary journey, right when he's about ready to go to Jerusalem, and he's going to end up in Rome uh, with the church that he's writing this letter to. He says, I've got an idea of, there's some indications here, my, my, my Spanish brethren love to hear this, but that, that he might have made it to Spain. That's the Illyricum. Uh, that, he, that he mentions there. There's some indications there that he may have gone there. But he says, this is what I've been doing. But he, he reminds him, he says, I've had to remind you about some things. What is he reminding them about? Well, he's talking to them about the gospel and the nature of the gospel. You see, the gospel, by its very nature, must be proclaimed. The gospel means good news. That's the the root word for gospel is good news. If you've got good news, you're supposed to share it. You're supposed to proclaim it. You're supposed to tell others. I've got some good news. You want to hear it? Paul had dedicated his life to bring the gospel, to proclaim this message to the nations. So that the nations could be, as we see in verse 16, an acceptable, sanctified offering of worshipers to the Lord. Our our mission organization uh, summarizes our vision statement this way. It says, we're asking God for a gospel movement among every least reached people group in our generation. That's what we feel God is calling us to. That is what we are dedicating our life to see in Latin America. Gospel movements among the Quechua, among the Circle of Silence in Bajio, which is the area we're in, in Guadalajara, the Southern Cone. We're starting to talk about the Mapuche down in Chile, in Southern Chile. I haven't told Marcos this, but uh, the Mapuche live down where the penguins are. Marcos on his bucket list. He wants to go see penguins. So we're going to have to go down to, down to see some penguins one of these days. Guys, this message of hope has to be proclaimed. We just got to get it out. You got to get it out. We got to talk to the people you're working with. 
Some of you have family members that you need to talk to. Then there's strangers that we don't know. The gospel by its very nature must be proclaimed. And that's, I think, what Paul is reminding us in this passage. So here's the bottom line. The gospel is a message of hope which is to be proclaimed to the nations so that they too might worship God. The gospel is a message of hope which is to be proclaimed to the nations so that they too might worship God. So how does that touch us? Well, each of us needs to, be cons- needs to consider what our part is in that. I appreciate the fact that your church gives one month out of the year to talk about missions, and that's great. But I know that you're doing missions every month of the year. <laughs> you see, because missions is not just done in Mexico. It's not done just in the mountains of Peru or South America. Missions is done everywhere. But there are people that need to hear that have, do not have an opportunity. When I made this trek to Peru, we visited 10 villages. Only two of the 10 had believers in them. Eight out of 10 villages had no gospel witness at all. We were the first group to come in there probably in three years to share the gospel. People in those villages, if they get up on Sunday morning and want to go to church, they have to walk two hours. Most of them don't even think about going to church. Would you be willing to go? Tom and Shree did. They're two of my heroes. I'm a little ticked because now I have to find another doctor. Because he's a great doctor. Would you be willing to go? I've made it my commitment to ask that question every time I get a chance to preach because I think we need to think about that. Not everybody should go, but I'd ask you if maybe God is laying this on your heart. And my final word would be, don't allow missionaries to be surrogates. You shouldn't support missionaries just so that you feel like you're doing something about the gospel. When you partner with missionaries, the way I look at it, it's a partnership. We're just an extension of the ministry of West Cohasset Chapel. God hasn't called us to this community. We get to come back and do some fishing and shiver underneath our blankets every so often. (laughs) Uh, But this is where God has planted you. You've got neighbors here that need to hear this message of hope. You have relatives that need to hear the message of hope. And God is desiring that they worship Him. Here and someday in heaven.
And God is working with us to try and bring this to Mexico and to other parts of Latin America. Find a way to participate in this missionary task. And someday, someday you and I will be standing before the throne. It'll be your first, my second opportunity to worship with that Quechua family. And there are other families that need to hear. And it's going to be a beautiful chorus. I don't know if we'll understand each other. I think we probably will. I'm not sure what language I'll be singing in. Maybe English, maybe Spanish. Trying to learn a little Portuguese. Uh, But it's going to be a beautiful chorus. And that's God's heart. And that should be our heart, too. For now, we're on mission to proclaim this message of hope to the nations. Let's pray, and then I'll ask Pastor to to come up and close. Lord, we just thank you that most of us have found that hope. And even though things seem chaotic at times, we have that to fall back on. Thank you, Lord, that we can come and worship with brothers and sisters who love you. And Lord, give us your heart to see more worshipers come into your presence. Both here at West Cohasset and from the nations all around the world. May your message of hope be proclaimed. And the Lord use us in some way to see that happen. Finish up with the words from verse 9. Therefore I will praise you among the nations and sing your name. Amen.